Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Hello. 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 Welcome, everybody, to our Tuesday night Torah class. John? Well, uh, somebody seemed to think these were better this way, and I'm okay with it. I'm usually kind of half in the dark anyway, so that's all right. So let's see, there's... um, we like to start exactly at 7 o'clock, so I usually do that, and sometimes people roll in a little bit late, and welcome all the people that are online. So this is our Tuesday night Torah class. We've been working our way through the book of Exodus, and um, tonight we're going to do chapter 25 and maybe 26. Last week, we uh, there's some kind of exciting stuff where the covenant was confirmed, And um, Moses, I'm going to come back to this later because it's a cool thing. Moses and his right-hand man, Joshua, whom Mm -hmm. we just have known just very little about at this point, went on up the hill because Moses, God told him to come up. The microphone's right there. Yes. Ah, thanks. I forgot to do that. Yes. It's a universal symbol. Let me do that. Let me open in prayer. Not doing too good here. Father God, thank you very much for the evening. Thank you for your Torah. Thank you for this group of people that decided it was worthwhile to come out tonight, even though it's cold and rainy, to look at your word. I'd ask that you'd uh, just bless us tonight for doing this. I know it it pleases you when we study your word, and it certainly benefits us. So just thank you for your Torah, and thank you for your love for us. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, well, I was reflecting a little bit on what we did last week and what we talked about, and one of the things I want to make sure we don't forget about because it comes up later is that uh, last week, the 70 elders and uh, Aaron and Aaron's four sons and everybody were up there, and they basically saw God, it says, and the way they described God was the pavement under his feet was blue sapphire. And I, I concluded, this was more me than anybody else, if that's all they could say about God whenever they f- saw God was that the pavement under his feet were blue, was blue sapphire, it tells you what they were doing. They were busy on their face looking at the ground because they, didn't, they were scared to do anything else, which is the typical reaction you know, that we've seen. Anyway, um, they've been dismissed, if you will, and God has asked that Moses go on up the hill and meet with him on the top of the mountain. And uh, so Moses and Joshua had gone up, and uh, the last thing we did at the end of chapter 24 was um, um, let me see here. Verse 15 of chapter 24 says, Then Moses set out with Joshua's aid, and Moses went up the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us, and we will come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. 
when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, um, Yahweh called to Moses from within the cloud. And to the Israelites, the glory of Yahweh looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Moses entered the cloud and went up to the mountain. And he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So now we'll move into what we were, we just barely got into this last week. Chapter 25. I read that last week. I'll read it again. <clears throat> the first few verses, first eight verses. Nine, I guess. Yahweh said to Moses, this is Moses up on top of the hill now. It's just he and God. Um, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. And these are the offerings that you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and the hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light and spices for anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. <coughs> um, might not go real well tonight. <coughs> I've had a cold, and so if I get carried away here, I might have to get somebody else to do this. But anyway, I wanted to ask a question or two about that. There's some things we, one of the things to notice is the list of materials. Do you notice anything about the list of materials that kind of stands out to you? <coughs> The list of materials? The list of materials, yeah. It's not, I'm not digging for much here. It's basically soup to nuts. Yeah. I mean, what do you, where do you want me to start and where do you want me to end? and all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of weird things. Goat hair, you know, and stuff like that. What, what is with all this? And I, the analogy to draw, we know what, uh, we know that God wants to dwell with his people and he know, we know where he dwells with his people today. You know, he dwells in our heart, really. And so to me, this spoke to the fact that uh, God's dwelling place consists of a whole bunch of very disparate, uh, you know, diverse kinds of materials. It's representative of all the different kinds of people that make up his dwelling place. I liked that because I thought it was pretty good. But how was the material to be collected to make this dwelling place? You mean like voluntarily? Yep, like voluntarily. It said, as receive, um, receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. So in other words, it wasn't a tax. There wasn't a building program and they had to pass a, you know, a rule that everybody has to give so much of their income or anything like that. It's just as people's heart led them. <coughs> this is good for a couple reasons. It uh, helps you realize that God works in the hearts of his people, and he can do it anytime he wants. <coughs> okay, and the other thing was, he says, make it like the pattern I'm going to show you. And now the rest of this, the next two chapters, is the pattern that he's going to show us. 
Any other thoughts about that? So, <coughs> would somebody like to uh, read from chapter 10, or verse 10, down to verse 20, looks like 22. Yeah. 10. <coughs> 10 to 22. <coughs> yeah, verse 10 to 22. I'm sorry about this. And now sh they shall make an art of shittim wood, two cubits and a half, shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold within and without, shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. <clears throat> well, and, the, and thou, cast, thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and the two rings shall be in... On, be in the one side of it and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold, and they shall put the, the sta staves into the rings by the side of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. The staves shall be the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt uh, put it in the ark in the testimony which I shall give thee. Verse 17, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And the two, I'm sorry, and thou shalt make two cherubim of gold of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on the two ends thereof. Verse 20. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubim be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Okay, now, that's a typical passage, like I say, of the next several chapters. Um, and to me, when I first read this, it's like somebody, you know, you, you've rolled out a blueprint to somebody and say, I want to build this. And you tell him, now go write down what, I, what this looks like. And so <clears throat> that's what this is. This is the description of a blueprint. So it really needs to be seen. Oh, we have some pictures, I think, if I can make this work. Yeah. I have a comment on kind of an overview of the next few chapters. Did we'll just take a minute? Yeah, go ahead. I got to make the thing work over here anyway. Okay. You ask. You comment. So... so uh, Chapter 4 is the, the people affirm that they're a covenant with God. This is 25, the tabernacle of the offerings, ark, table, and lampstand. What's irritating? Next chapter is instructions for the tabernacle, curtains, boards, and veil. 27 is instructions for the altar, courtyard, oil for the lampstand. 28 is the priestly garments, ephod, breastpiece. 29 is the consecration, sacrifices, food, of the priest. 30 is altar of incense. 
atonement money, basin atonement oil, and 31 is the craftsman Bezalel and Aholiai, the Sabbath is explained. And then the yin and the golden calf. I, I wanted to, these are, are non-action chapters. Yes, that's a very good, and I'm glad you pointed it out. Right, because, all the way up to. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's the action that goes on in here is what really grabs our attention and, and keeps us occupied, if you will. But this is a big portion of non-action stuff. The whole book of Leviticus almost is non-action, but there's all kinds of things in there, and, and the Torah is the Torah. We want to look at all. We don't want to you know, gloss over it. So we'll spend some time on this. And one of the things, let's see, the way I want to say this is one of the things I found from going through the Torah more than once, that is cyclically, is every time through it, you learn more. And the first few times through these, these chapters were pretty tough sledding, you know, because you didn't really know what you were reading and you couldn't, you couldn't place it in context and there was no, no action. But stick with it. You know, you may not get everything you want out of it, but the next time through it'll make more sense. And I'll help because I got pictures. <clears throat> now here, nobody really knows what this looks like. That's an important point to make. Whenever they finally had this thing built, it stayed back in the what they call the Holy of Holies, which we'll learn about. And the only people that ever saw it, the only person that ever saw it was the high priest. So it wasn't like all the people could take a tour and go see this thing. So the fact that we have several different pictures of it, it's this, these pictures, generally speaking, meet the description of what we've just read. And it probably looks something like this, but nobody knows exactly. So let's identify some of the pieces that we just read about. <clears throat> One of the things they said, it's a, they say a, a, a cubit, a two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. So it's uh, as wide as it is high, and it's a little bit longer. You know, does anybody know how long a cubit is? A cubit is defined as the length from the elbow to the forefinger of the king, of the king, Okay. An Egyptian, anyway. For practical purposes, it's like 18 inches. A cubit's like a foot and a half. So, what would that be? <laughs> I have no idea. What they did was, is they got a, a stick or a rod or something and said, okay, this is our cubit. And they used that. But the typically the definition was that distance from the elbow to the forefinger. Anyway. Um, because every king would have, you know, you have to change the measuring system every time the king died. But <clears throat> so we had the this is the box. What was the box made of? Acacia wood. There's the other word for it, but acacia wood. It's a common wood around there. It's not very useful for anything. It doesn't grow tall pines or anything. It's so you have to work hard to make a, a box out of acacia wood. And then it's covered with gold. And then it talks about the uh the lid that goes on top of the box. And the lid is where, you know, the description is necessarily a little vague <coughs> because these are what? What are these two figures here? Cherubs. <coughs> Cherubim, if you will. Boy, I hope I don't goof this up. Anyway, nobody knows what they look like, really, but it is very careful to talk about what their wings do, right? Their wings, they sit facing each other, 
and their wings are spread out over their heads. <coughs> and that is called what? That whole thing, the whole lid. Mm -hmm. Mercy seat. <coughs> what, John? <coughs> well, speaking loud is not my issue. I'm having a hard time speaking, period. Okay. Um, anyway, let's see. Does anybody know the Hebrew word for the mercy seat? It's caparet. Caparet. And um, does that sound familiar at all? You know, the, the holiday called Yom Kippur? Kippur and Kaporet are from the same root, and they basically mean to cover, okay? And, but what is, what is Yom Kippur usually called? It's called the Day of Atonement, right? With? So the point is, is atonement and covering are the same thing in Hebrew, right? So the Day of Atonement is the Day of Covering. It's when your sins are covered. And this lid is, is the covering for that box. Does that make sense, John? Mm -hmm. So, what's the skull cap? I'm thinking of other words that are like that. Yes. Like uh, the skull Kippa. cap. Kippa. Kippa. Kippa, yeah, that's a good one. Is a covering. Covering. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know if it's the same Thanks. thing uh, or I not, the one. same yep. Hebrew letters. But no, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Hebrew's kind of good that way, you know? That's why baseball's holy, because you have a baseball cap? Mm, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to go over that. Uh, what was the cover made of? No, I don't think so. I think, if I'm was not it mistaken, gold? it was solid gold. Let's see. Verse 17, make an atonement cover, a kipperet of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. Make two cherubim out of hammered gold uh, at the ends of the cover, one at each end. So that's, again... Based on the description we read, All right. Oh, yeah, I'm back. He's, He's back. back, folks. Sorry. <laughs> I'm glad I'm back, too. You remember also the big description about the, the rings at the bottom? Oops, the wrong button. The rings at the bottom and the poles that go through it? That's there, so. And staves, that's a good word. Any thoughts about this? Any it says what goes in it. Most of you, because you've been through this more than once, know what's in it. But uh, it says here what's in it primarily, and what is it? Covenant? The covenant. Yeah, the, the tablets that he's going to get. So, yes? Margaret has a question, I think. The, the <laughs> Are the rings toward the top? On the top part, it seems like that would be more well, balanced. Well, I, I, balanced. I've seen them both places. Mm -hmm. You see them in this particular rendition here, up at the top. You see them here at the bottom. Yeah. Here they're at the bottom, 
And here, they're up at the top. So I've seen them both places. It's hard to say. I think it would make more sense to have them up at the top. It seems like that would be more yeah. of a balance for yeah. carrying purposes. Yeah, but since, since the verbal description didn't specify, that's why you see several different... Maybe in the middle. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. it, would, it would be easier to see by the, 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 the tribes mm -hmm. if, if it was on the bottom because it would be higher and they could see it when it was moving. No, that's true. But whenever it's moving, it's covered. Yeah, the only one that sees it is the The, the only one priest. that sees it is the high priest, and he only sees it when it's in the uh, Holy of Holies. Mark, should I tell them? I just remembered something that might help us shed light on it. So when the poles would stick out through the curtain, um, Aaron, I've heard, he would put his hands on the poles and he would be able to come in uh, when he would slide the incense in there to burn and then he would know how to come in when it was all covered with smoke. So the poles being too low, it would have been a lot harder to figure out where you're at, whereas if it was up more like waist height, he could figure out where he was, he was coming in where the ark was. That's fair. That's a, that's a good point. The, the, one of the things you're alluding to is typically this chamber was smoke-filled. There was incense burning all the time. And the reason for that, or a reason for that, is that you know, God's presence was there. And if, you, if a human, Aaron was to go in with God's presence without all this smoke, he'd probably die. So that was a lot of what goes on. At least that's what, that's what they think. Oh, you want to move on? <coughs> Who would like, like to read uh, from verse 23 to 30? <coughs> <coughs> Boy, I'm sorry about this. I've got one. Verse uh, 23 through 23 30. 23 through 30, uh, chapter 25 of uh, Exodus. Thou shalt thou shall also make a table of shatimud. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make it thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about, and thou shalt make it for, and thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings on the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Oh, there we go. There you go. Yeah. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. <coughs> And thou shalt make the, the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold, and the table may be born with, that the table may be born with them. And thou shalt um, make the dishes thereof, and the spoons thereof, and the covers thereof, and the bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold. Thou shalt make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. End of 30. Okay. Um, we'll talk about the showbread here at the end, but this, this one's not as described quite as vividly as the 
ark was, but what, how's it made? Essentially the same way, right? It's made out of acacia wood. The box is made out of acacia wood, and it's covered with gold. The box, the table, we have a picture of that. <clears throat> this is even less um, well-imagined than the ark is. The description is not as complete, so there's less certainty as to what it must have looked like or might have looked like. So, let's see. These all happen to have the poles mounted up high. But you can see that they all have a kind of a, a edge around the top for whatever reason, I guess, to hold things from in case they should spill or whatever. I don't know. And they all have these 12 uh, loaves of bread and other utensils with glasses and pitchers and different kind of things. They look like donuts, don't they? I'd say bagels. Bagels? Yeah, I bet they're bagels, not donuts. Locks and bagels. <laughs> so, this showbread, did you have something, bud? Yeah. No. It said uh, 27th, the rain shall be close to the rim of the holder of the poles to carry the table. Okay. So as to be close to the rim, it'd be close to the, the top. Yep, that, that makes sense to me. So that's why all of these are at least consistent in that regard. To say nothing of the fact that carrying a table from the legs seems kind of difficult. So I, I, I would definitely want to put it up there myself. So let's see, the showbread, the, the term um, translated as showbread. John? Is it panim lechem, face? Yep. Panim lechem. Face. Mm -hmm. like lechem is bread, and panim is face. So it's really bread of my face. And they translate that into English as showbread. The, I, I think a better translation, the way my Bible puts it, is bread of the presence. Um, so you can kind of imagine more or less what's going on here. Why the number of loaves is how many? Two stacks of six. Two stacks of six, 12. So it just happens to be the same as the number of the tribes in Israel. So there's probably some significance there. And bread is symbolic of, uh, well, of life. It's also symbolic of the word. And, and, and God tells us in this case, it's got something to do with his presence. So, and then the, the way it works is the, this bread is changed out every week. But the bread stays there as the bread of his presence every week. And at the end of the week, new bread is brought in and the old bread is given to the priests and they, and they eat it. So I still don't know what that means, so I'll take a stab at it. Thanks. Don't come to me empty-handed. <clears throat> to be in my presence, don't come to me empty-handed. I would think that would be one of the things. To be, to be, or at least the representative, the, yeah. the high priest, you know, all 12 tribes need to bring something. Something. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I, I, there's not a thing wrong with that one. That works for me. And a bread, bread is a, a very common thing. And that, again, kind of coincides with God. It's not some, they're, they're not 12 huge giant diamonds or anything. You know, they're not some real costly, difficult to get things. They're common things. But they're, it's like you say, come into my presence with, uh, with something. Also, the bread is it involves, you know, you kind of have to have a community to do bread. You have to have someone to raise the grain and yep. someone to grind it and someone to bake it. And, you know. I think that's a good point. That's a good point. 
Oh, and we don't know a lot about any of the uh, ritual or whatever went along with all of the showbread. We know, like I say, as much as I know about changing and everything. We could probably find out more, but a lot of it at this point is tradition. Yeah. Go ahead, John. So, uh, what is it? Man shall not live by uh, bread alone. Bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of, mouth God. of God. So, yep. if you want to hear the mouth of God, you still have to do that. You have to bring the bread. It's not like without bread you can hear the mouth of God. That's not what that's saying. It's saying the mouth, the the bread enables you to go and see hear the the mouth of God. All right, I can, I can live with that. I think that sounds good to me. I'll work with that. <laughs> Anything else before we go on to the next one? Margaret's got something. <clears throat> I think it's kind of interesting, too, that bread is usually sold or roll, rolls uh -huh. are sold by the dozen usually. Well, well anymore now, I guess they make the packages smaller. But, <laughs> you know, up, up to, I would say, the last 10 years, it, bread... Uh, by the piece, by the individual pieces, usually sold by the dozen. Yes. So that's kind of interesting. And then, and then the other thing was um, names. Like John had mentioned, there's a community that's um, you got, and, and those are names of people too. You got the Miller, you got the Bakers, <laughs> you got what, yep. what were the? Uh, yeah. That's a good point. The, what were the farmers called? <laughs> Aggies. <laughs> <laughs> We got that. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. Yeah, the uh, and I, the, I the do like kickers. the reference to the community. That's a good point. The sod kickers. Yeah, sod kickers. Okay, well, let's go on and do the the next piece here, and uh, that's uh, verse thirty-one to the end of chapter twenty-five. Would anyone like to read from verse thirty-one to the end of chapter twenty-five? <clears throat> Then you should make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand and its base and its shafts are to be made of hammered works. Its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides. Three branches of the lampstand from one end of the side. Three branches of the lampstand from the other side. Three sh cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms and the one branch of a bulb and a flower and three cups shall, like almond branches in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. So for six branches going out from the lampstand, and in the lampstand four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. A bulb, a bulb shall be under a first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming out of it, for the six branches coming out of the lampstands, their bulbs and their branches shall be of one piece with it. All of it shall be of one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and you shall mount its lamps so as to shed light on the space in front of it. Its snuffers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made from a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. See that you make them with the pattern for them, which was shown to you on the mountain. Okay. So again, more, more describing the blueprint here. <clears throat> so what is the lampstand made of? 
Is there a Hebrew word for lampstand? <laughs> Menorah, maybe. Oh, okay. uh -huh. uh, the um, pure gold. There's no wood in this. The other two items were wood boxes that were covered with gold. This is pure gold. And how much gold did they use to make it? It says over in verse 39. A talent. Does anybody know how much a talent of gold weighs? Half as much as two talents. Half as much as two talents. It's, it's from what I've been able to determine, it's like 75 pounds. So it's a lot of gold. And they're all to be, the whole thing is one piece. So it's, you know, they don't have little screws and you can take it apart. It's one piece of solid gold. And it weighs 75 pounds. And then, let's see, since I have a picture of that too, <clears throat> there's all this stuff about the almond buds. Now, I'll be the first to tell you I don't really get that. But I've got several different pictures. This one, I think, is kind of what they're getting at because it talked about, you know, where two branches come out, you have an almond bud, and then where two branches come out, you have another one, and where two branches come out, you have another one. And then you have three of them, and then there are the, the bowls themselves that actually contain the, the wicks and the oil. Um, I don't, like I say, I have no idea what it looked like, obviously. But that seems to fit the description best. These others don't. Not as much. This one is interesting because that's a picture that's been taken in Jerusalem not that long ago. In fact, within probably just a few years. And this is in a glass case that's uh, owned by a group called the Temple Institute. And the Temple Institute is is making these things, these items, for the anticipated future opening of a temple up there on the Temple Mount. And um, this is, actually, that's not real gold. But they've got the real gold one that looks like it, and they've got this one sitting out there in this glass case in this uh, courtyard that people just walk by in the old city all the time. So I've got pictures of myself standing beside it and Jan. But they, it's funny that they did all that. I would have thought that those guys would have understood this thing about the um, almond blossoms, but maybe they don't. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. And this, I put this picture here because it kind of shows a, gives probably about the size of the thing. I mean, it wasn't like Liberace's candelabra or something. I mean, it was a big piece of furniture. And so it was probably about as tall as a person. So any thoughts about that? Marvin. <clears throat> what gets me about it is gold is heavy. Yep. It's real heavy. And I don't know how much a gold bar weighs, but when you see them on TV and people trying to lift them, they're pretty heavy. Yep. I mean, at least they make, make they, you think they are. Yep. But how in the world would you make that out of one piece of gold? Well, because to me, you had, I mean, I, I don't know how you'd do it because it looks to me like you've got just on that one there, you could have at, at a very minimum four pieces. You may have beat it together, yeah, but that's they, not one piece of gold. It's interesting. Um, gold is, is, I've not worked with it, but they say it's very, you know, malleable. So you can, with, you know, gentle hammer blows, you can, you can make it, and you can also make it extremely thin. You know how you can make, you can make gold leaf that you can actually see through. Now, uh, if I were making something like this, I would probably, you know, fashion tubes 
I wouldn't make the, the thing solid just because you could save material if you didn't, and also it would be a little lighter if you didn't. Um, as far as how you would, I, I know what you're saying, is how on earth would you build a joint like this without, and I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer to the question. Yeah, But some of these guys that we're going to meet here two or three chapters later evidently knew how to do that. <laughs> John. <clears throat> Did the whole thing have like oil in it or is that just in the very tops? It, yeah, it's, no, I think the, whole, the, the oil was just in these cups on top because they had to get changed twice a day. Twice a day, somebody came in and trimmed them and refilled them. So that's my opinion. Now, as we learn more about the structure in which these things sat, one of the things we're going to find out is that it's totally dark. There weren't any windows in there. So uh, it, was going to be, it was going to be in definite need of light. So that, this thing obviously served more, it served a utilitarian purpose other than the fact that it has lots of religious and, um, what's the right word? Symbolic meaning, but it's uh, the main purpose, the physical purpose was to shine light in that structure, in that room, because otherwise it would have been pitch black. What other kind of uh, um, symbolism might you think of for the lampstand? These are the light? This yep. God's light, our light, ultimately? Obviously, just God and the light would be the big one to me. They, and we will also find, you don't know this yet, but I'm sure you all do, is that the, as you walk into this area, the table of showbread is on your right, and this lampstand is on the left. So the lampstand would then shine the light on the table of showbread and in that whole, whole room there. Any other thoughts? Okay, you want to move on? <clears throat> if you thought this last stuff was riveting, wait till we get to chapter 26. Um, brace ourselves? Brace yourselves. Yeah, get ready for this one. Chapter 26, I'd like to read from verse 1 through verse 14. I appreciate you guys reading because... I'm not in real good reading condition these days. Fifteen, I think, let me see. Fourteen, yeah. You are to make the tabernacle with ten sheets of finely woven linen and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. You're to make them with kabutum? Cherubim. Cherubim, okay. In that have been crafted by a skilled artisan. Each one is to be 42 feet long, six feet wide, and all the sheets are to be the same size. Five sheets are to be joined one to another, and the other five sheets are to be joined one to another. Make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost sheet in the first set, and do the same on the edge of the outmost sheet in the second set. Make 50 loops on the one sheet and make 50 loops on the edge of the sheet in the second set. The loops are to be opposite one another. Make 50 fasteners of gold and couple the sheets to each other with the fasteners so that the tabernacle forms a single unit. 
You're to make sheets of goat's hair to be used as a tent covering to the tabernacle. Make 11 sheets. Each sheet is to be 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. All 11 sheets are to be the same size. Join five sheets together and six sheets together and fold the sixth sheet double at the front of the tent. Make 50 loops on the edge of the outermost sheet in the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the outermost sheet in the second set. Make 50 fasteners of bronze. Put the fasteners in the loops and join the tent together so that it forms a single unit. As for the overhanging part that remains of the sheets forming the tent, the half sheet remaining is a hangover the back of the tabernacle. And the 18 inches on the one side and the 18 inches on the other side of that remaining in the length of the sheets forming the tent is to hang over the tabernacle to cover it on each side. You're to make a covering for the tent of tanned ram skins and an outer over covering of fine leather. Make the upright planks for the tabernacle. Uh, that's okay. 14. Okay. That's fine. I just thought we'd stop there because uh, in New Zealand, we'd call this is the Manchester. The Manchester is the software. You know, it's the cloth and stuff. So now that was pretty hard to follow. You know, the, a lot of the other stuff I could kind of visualize what was going on. But this one was kind of tough. It's got to do with the fact that they, these sheets, they, you know, five sheets or ten sheets or whatever they are, and they're so long and, and they're all tied together. So, but what it is is it's making a big piece of fabric, and if you sat there and kind of measured it out, you'd see that it's, a, you know, it's essentially one great big piece of fabric. And it says that in the, uh, um, where was it? Verse 6. Make 50 gold clasps. You know, it talks about these little loops. And you connect the loops together with these gold clasps and it, uh, to fasten the curtains together so that the tabernacle is a single unit. So we got, I've got pictures of that too. <clears throat> if you were to um, look from the inside, the first thing it said to do was to start working with uh, the scarlet and blue and... Um, the linen and the, the yarn, the red yarn, all this kind of stuff. And what they're doing is they're weaving. Um, it's essentially going it's to, a, it's a, let's see, what does it say? It was work of a skilled artisan. It's an embroidery, if you will, or a tapestry. And it's, it's basically going to be the interior wall. So in, when you're inside there, you'll be able to see the inside of this, this layer here. Okay. Um, and it's a little bit smaller. And if you were to carefully read that, you'd see that they are a little bit shorter and there's, there's two fewer of them than there are the next layer. The next layer is um, goat hair. So the goat hair ends up looking like this. It's a little bit bigger, but you make a unit out of it. And then the third layer is this uh, uh, goat, or what is it, something dyed red, ram skins dyed red. And then finally, the last thing is this uh, cows of sea, or hides of sea cows or whatever. What that really is, it's fine leather. Seal skin, for example. Um, the point is, that's the weatherproof part. There's a weatherproof covering, and then there's the, the goat hair. If I can get that. Insulation? Yeah, insulation is part of it, for sure. Um, but 
my little beeper quick there it is so you got the the weatherproofing the the waterproofing the leather then this is the rams skins and this is the goat hair so that'll be primarily insulation and this is if you will the wallpaper <laughs> but that's that's what the the structure looks like that's what the the covering looks like okay now the rex the next part so whoever gets wants to read this next part from verse 15 through 30 uh, describes the walls because you know someone's got to hold this tent up now this was a kind of a revelation for me it had to be my second or third time through before I finally understood the way the structure actually worked so somebody want to read that from verse 15 through 30 <clears throat> I appreciate you guys being into this <laughs> Okay, 15, 26, 26, 15. Through 30, yeah. Uh, through 30. And for the dwelling place, you shall make the boards of acacia wood standing up. Ten cubits is the length of a board and a cubit and a half the width of each board. Two tenons on each board for binding one to another. Do the same for all the boards of the dwelling place. And you shall make the boards for the dwelling place 20 boards for the south side and make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenants. And for the second side of the dwelling place, on the north side, 20 boards, and there 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. And for the extreme parts of the dwelling place, westward, make six boards, and make two boards for the two back corners of the dwelling place. And they shall... And they are double beneath, and similarly they are to complete to the top to the one ring. So it is for both of them. They are for the two corners. And they shall be eight boards and their sockets of silver, 16 sockets, two sockets under the one board and two sockets under the other board. And you shall make bars of acacia wood five for the boards on the one side of the dwelling place and five bars for the boards on the other side of the dwelling place and five bars for the boards of the side of the dwelling place for the extreme parts westward with a middle bar in the midst of the boards going through from one end to the end to end and overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold as holders for the bars and overlay the bars with gold and you shall raise up the dwelling place according to its pattern, which you were shown on the mountain. Okay. So all that stuff is kind of, like I say, it was a while before I got it. But if you go back to verse 15, it says, Make upright, upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long. So how long is 10 cubits? In 15 feet? 18 feet. 18. I'm sorry. 180 inches. 180 inches is 15 feet. You're right. Yeah, 15 feet. Yep. Um, and a cubit and a half wide, so that's a little more than two feet wide. So um, 15 feet long, two feet wide. It doesn't tell you how thick they are, but we find out that it needs to have a hole drilled down through the middle of it for these bars to fit in. So those are not trivial planks right? Those are big planks. And then each one of them is to be covered with gold. <clears throat> and then 
there's this intricate, they got tenons, they call them, little uh, tabs, protrusions, if you will, that um, go into sockets. Let's see if I can get my... The sockets go down on the bottom, and the way they work is you have a socket for each side, each end of the board, each side of the board, and then that socket is also a socket for the next board. So you've got these little, um, yeah, little spacers and, and kind of things that hold these tenons. And so, and, and the tenon is held tightly to the board next to it. So the boards just all kind of line up nicely there. Um, and then, and he's got the number for the north wall and the number for the south wall and then the number for the west wall and lots of description about the corners, which are necessary. And you've got, um, let me get my thing back again here, loops, little hoops in here that these long rods go down. So that gives it some stability. You know, you don't have these things flopping in the breeze. They're all one big unit. And these corner units back in the back here are built so that they will support everything and keep it, keep it square. So it's pretty cool. That's a, and it's, it's not, like again, it's not a trivial structure. This is not like one of these little tents that you put in your backpack and plops up. Somebody, you know, they got to carry this thing. And um, it'll take two guys to carry one of those planks, right? I'm sure they've got carts and they'll, they'll use that. But the point is, is it's, it's a fairly massive structure, especially with all that stuff covered with gold. Yeah. <clears throat> of planks there's 50 on each side oh i don't know i have to go back and read i've forgotten why you have a you want to talk about the number no i don't 20 frames for the south side so it'd be 20 frames for the north side and then i think there were 16 no eight frames for the back the there's the back and then both sides and the front then doesn't really have it's got columns if you will so there's 20 on each side plus eight I think so. 48. I think so. Okay. I was trying to make something out of it. Here's, um, here's a floor plan, if you will. And this picture I really was anxious to show you. Um, you know, very south of Israel is Elat. And if you go north from Elat, just 30 miles or so, there's a a small town there called Timnah. And Timnah has a, it has for the past, I don't know, 10 or 20 years, this, they call it a, what kind of a park? Some kind of a park. But it's out in the middle of the desert. But somebody has built, some group has built, a full-scale replica of the tabernacle. And you can go out there and they'll let you wander around in it. It's a little bit hokey because they got, mannequins from, you know, some department store to, to, you know, this is not great, but this is, this is that place. And so if you walk, it's fun to be out there because you go out there and you get an idea of what it really feels like, you know, from a size standpoint. So I just thought it was kind of good. And so I, having been there, I thought I'd bring that picture along. In America, we'd have holograms. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's probably just as good. Let's see. Where did I have you stop there? <coughs> okay. In order to finish out this chapter 26, we need to read from verse 31 to the end of the chapter, which is not very many. So, 
<coughs> if you want to, yes, that'd be good. 31 to 38, 37? Yeah, yeah 37. Right. <clears throat> and thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work. With cherubim shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shatim wood overlaid with gold. Their books, their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes, or tacks, I guess, that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, and the veil shall divide unto you between the Kadosh place and the most Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most okay. holy place, and thou shalt set the table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table of the side on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and thou shalt put the t table on the north side. And thou shalt uh, make a hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework. And thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shatim wood and overlay them with gold, and their hooks shall be of gold. And thou shalt cast five socket, sockets of brass for them. Inside, there are four posts that go here, and I went into great detail to talk to you about this uh, um, this very ornate, thick, woven tapestry that hangs on these four pillars, and it separates this holy place from this most holy place. And you realize the, the most holy place, the only item in there is the Ark of the Covenant. And in the holy place, the items that we've seen so far, the, uh, come back here, dude, the menorah, the light lamp stand will be on this side, and the uh, table of showbread will be on this side. And then there's five posts in the front of the structure, and there's a tapestry that hangs on those five posts. And I found this out, actually, having gone over and kind of looked, these um, they call them veils. Certainly the one, the one between the holy place and the most holy place is called the veil. And that's the veil that was ripped from top to bottom when Yeshua was crucified. The, the way it works is they're not like a, a drawstring or a curtain. They're not, and they're not parted in the middle. But the people that need to go inside there, of which there are just very few, they just walk around the end. You know, they, they, because they're curtains, it's very easy just to be... If you were to stand um, right here, for example, right behind all these things is that, that big curtain, then you could just walk over and just kind of edge yourself between the curtain and, and into the room. And so that's, that's how it was done. It was from the sides. That's all I'm trying to explain there. Cool, huh? Yeah. Give us a, can you give us a direct, like the, the yellow one, what direction is that? This picture here? Yeah. That, okay, it's always always set up the same way. You're right. This direction is east. The, the, as you look out the, that direction there, you're looking east. So that would make that one west, and then this one south, and this one north. And it's Talk always set up the same way. You said something was against the north wall. That was the showbread? 
table of showbread? Should have been the showbread. Let's see if we can find that. Is that up on the upper right-hand corner? Does it show it up there? Uh, the no. table of, oh, no, this is, these are the pillars. These are those pillars that it was hanging the, the things. There, there is a picture. I think, let me see. Let me go okay. here. No, that's right. Here you go. Okay. See, this is, uh, this is that inner veil, and this is the outer one. And here's the table of shorebread on the north wall. Here's the menorah on the south wall. And this is the Holy of Holy in the back here. And this direction here is east. And there's the different layers. That's not a bad picture. I kind of like that picture. Mm, I agree. Because it shows most of what we've talked about, and it seems relatively accurate in terms of what we've read. Is that the incense right before the, the curtain? Yeah. Now, we haven't talked about that piece yet. And it's funny. You know how the Bible is. They, they, they do these things in an order that you wouldn't necessarily think would be exactly what you'd do. But we won't talk about that altar of incense for another four or five chapters. <laughs> but there it is. Any other thoughts about that? So the point being, more than anything else, it's a very substantial structure. It's not anything lightweight, and it's not anything that's going to be flimsy. It's a pretty, pretty substantial thing. <clears throat> I beg your pardon? No, it's right on the ground. Good point. Uh, I mean, you know, that's uh, certainly the one we looked at down there that was their model was right on the ground. And the, on the inside, you mean there's no floor? It's no. It's just sand or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's just sand. What are we going to say, bud? Just a sec. We'll get you, Mike. Well, that's a, I, I'm, the jury is still a little bit out on whether that's True or, or, you know, apocryphal, if you will. But what it amounted to is once a year, the high priest had to go back in here and lay, you know, pour uh, some of the blood from the lamb that was, or the goat, if you will, that was slaughtered on the Day of Atonement. And he had to go back in and put this on the atonement cover. And because of the fact that God is in there, and like I mentioned before, they kept it all smoky and everything so that the priest wouldn't die. So the, the story was that they would tie a rope around his ankle when he went in. And he'd go in and you know, they'd be, have puffed all the incense up there so it was pretty smoky. And, and he could go in and do what he needed to do and come back out. But if he didn't come back out, then they can assume that maybe the smoke wasn't sufficient or something happened and they could pull him out by his ankle without somebody else having to go in and get him. Now, I can say, I, that's the story, and I have, I have some serious doubts about whether it's true. John? I would think if they didn't do it right, he would be smoke. <laughs> There's nothing Good to point. grab onto. Good point. <clears throat> Certainly a crispy critter, yeah. The other thing is, <clears throat> how does this pattern match up with the temple that they build, built later? It matches very well with the temple in that... The temple also has, it's, it's constructed the same way. This, if you'll notice, or if you uh, uh, calculated, the size of this room is exactly half the size of this room. And the temple was done that way too. Uh, the, the dimensions in the temple were much bigger. But in there, they had this, and they had that, and they had that. They had 
and they had an altar of incense. They had those same pieces of furniture. As a matter of fact, they were the same pieces of furniture. Now, they got a little more creative outside, and we'll talk about what we've got outside here, but <clears throat> the temple, the outside of the temple was a little bit, uh, well, they had, they had a few things there that we don't have on the tabernacle. We'll talk about that. But it was essentially the same thing. Does that, does that answer your question? Yep. Okay. I'm just thinking of other questions too, but I guess we'll get to them later. Like where are the tribes going to be around? The, but we'll get to that Well, later. we'll get into that. The, the, the location of the tribes and all that. God is, no, is nothing if he's not a God of order. You know, he doesn't often tell you, you go off and invent how you want to do this. You know, he, he usually tells you, I want it done this way. Marvin? This was basically his RV. This was his RV. Right, but my question to you <clears throat> is, there was two temples built, am I correct, and they were both destroyed? Yep. Was there a lot of difference in the two temples? Because I thought Solomon's temple was grander than the first one. Yep. Now, the, the truth of the matter is, there's not a lot known about Solomon's temple. Because Solomon's temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., and so... The, the, you know, the state of the art, if you will, of uh, history uh, makes it a lot harder to know what was going on in 586 B.C. than zero, which is when the second temple was destroyed. But um, I think it's probably safe to assume that Solomon's temple was probably more uh, elaborate and ornate. Certainly by the time you know, Herod the Great built his temple, the Herod the Great was known more than anything else you know, as a a megalomaniac. So anything that he wanted, he got. And he would have done some pretty exotic and, you know, amazing things in the building of the temple. But I think Solomon's probably was even better than that. That's my opinion, nothing more. Should be on. I think I think it's probably safe to assume that Solomon had some help in designing it. Yep. Yep. Some. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Whereas maybe Herod didn't. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And Herod. Herod was uh, Solomon. Solomon was on God's wavelength for quite a bit of his life, whereas Herod never was. Yeah. Yeah. He was a Israelite in law. He was an Edomite. Yeah. Exactly. And plus, he was there because of the uh, kindness and the largesse of the emperor of Rome. I need one. Yeah. Let's go. We can do a little another piece of furniture and then we'll call it quits. Actually, it's a whole nother chapter, chapter 27. <clears throat> Would somebody like to read chapter 27 from verse 1 through verse, looks like uh, 8. No. Yeah, 8. Verse 1 through 8. Who? You want to read, Mark? I think he's often doing something different. He's doing something different. You want to read, Pat? Are you ready? <laughs> Bud, do you want to read? Thanks, thanks for being troopers about this. One to eight, right? Yep. And you shall make the altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. You shall make his horns on his four corners. His horns shall be on one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. You shall make his pails for removing his ashes, and his shovels, and his basins, and his forks, and his firepans. 
You shall make all these utensils by bronze. You shall make for it a grating of network of bronze. And on the net you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners. You shall put it beneath under the edge of the altar <clears throat> so that the tent will reach halfway up the altar. You shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. His poles shall be inserted into the rings, so the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar when it is carried. You shall make it hollow with planks, as it was shown to you in the mountain, so they shall make it. Okay. So this is a different structure. Um, but again, it's defined very well. So here are some different renditions of what this might look like. Essentially, it's a, a box, but it doesn't have a bottom and it doesn't have a top. It's just a frame. It's four sides, but it has in the middle, about halfway down, a grate. So it's a giant barbecue is what it is, right? And uh, you can see it best in this picture. So it's um, seven and a half feet this way, seven and a half feet this way, and they're inside down a few feet, it says exactly, is this grate. And so the animal would be, after it was uh, uh, slaughtered and cleaned, it would be laid on the, the fire, which would already be cooking and then, you know, going in the, in the grate. Pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, like I say, it just looks like a barbecue to me. But I see some funny-looking faces out there, but that's... Um, here's a picture of how it might have been being used. They had all kinds of different utensils that went along with it as they were using it. This, this picture is very similar to this picture. These things here on the corner are called the horns of the altar. And this, <clears throat> again, this is the same thing down there in near Timna, near Elot. And uh, they built one. And this, I, I like this picture because it probably shows kind of what it would have looked like. It's got uh, rocks around the bottom of it. And uh, we'll find out. Well, we've actually already seen a little of it, but God didn't want stairs leading up to his altar. He wanted a ramp. So here's a ramp. So the work that would go on the altar would be done by priests that would walk up this ramp. Yes? Well, uh, didn't say so. Now, the thing is, is it's pretty easy to lift it up. Because you get, you know, the posts stay in it, these, these things, and <clears throat> a couple guys on each post, and it's not heavy. I say not heavy. It's, it's a fairly good-sized thing, but it's not, it's not a real solid structure. And all you'd have to do is lift it up and walk over and set it down, and then you clean all this stuff up and just don't walk over and put it back. I, I'm just, that's one way to do it. So it wasn't all that permanent. John, Mark. So, just a reminder, we did see a really nice tabernacle in Samaria. Yep. Um, the scale. But, so what animals are being put on that bronze altar? Well, sheep and goats primarily. Oh, no. Uh, uh, what offering? In other words, we're, daily. We're, we're looking at the morning and evening offering. Yep. On Shabbat, there was one at noon. Yep. And then the offerings given at the feast dates. Or, or and fellowship offerings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at, like, for example, tabernacles, there's Bunch 70, of them. 70 bulls. Oh, yeah. 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 
As a matter of fact, I, see, I don't know if I have the picture here or not, but <clears throat> the activity that goes on in the area is pretty extensive, you know, because they have the animals in there, and they have to be able to um, sacrifice the animals, and then they have to skin them and clean them and run the, run the altar. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I verified it to see if this was true, and it is. This last December at Hanukkah in Israel, they uh, dedicated at the Feast of Dedication an altar that they're planning to use in, for, this, for this service. So it is now... They have one. They have it. It's dedicated. They performed a whole mock, completely everything, just with the priests and everything, uh, the whole setup was done. This was this... Last December 18th or something, whatever it was, just a few months ago. Okay, and this was this Temple, what do you call it? Yeah, it's the Temple Temple Institute group. Yep. Those guys have been around for, what, 20 years, I bet, you know, getting ready for this. So it's pretty cool. Hold on, hold on, bud. Going back, go ahead, Mark said, if you're going to kill 70 bulls, they can't hardly put enough fuel in there one time. No, no. 70 bulls. No, 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 no. They would, they would do them one after another. It would take, I mean, uh, some of the descriptions that you read in Josephus and stuff, uh, it was a big deal. I mean, they, they was, it was continuous. It was just, just nonstop, all day long. They were burning animals. And, but how? No, no. How would you burn up 70 animals in a day? Well... <clears throat> some of those offerings were not burnt offerings. Some of those offerings were offerings that were, you know, God got a part of them and the priest got a part of them and the people got a part of them. So they wouldn't all be completely obliterated. That makes quite a difference then, yeah. Yeah. Usually the, the burnt offerings, the whole burnt offerings were lambs, typically. Well, yeah. well during the Holy Days too, they would have all the all the priests would, would be on duty. Oh, yeah. Instead of yeah. the, what was it, how many courses they had? Different courses or the priest, 12 courses? Yeah, something like that. 24, yeah. yeah. So, But during the holy days, it was... They were all on they duty. They were all on, now, but, on duty. Now, I don't believe that there were more than, there's more than one altar. I mean, I think the whole thing about God's method was he wanted one place, one temple, and one altar. And he was not at all happy if you should say, well, I'll just do this out in my backyard. You know, it's, this, is, this is to be done this way. So I, I appreciate your point about, man, it was a lot of, a lot of messing around, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm sure they did it somehow. I think a question <clears throat> some of us had is um, during Passover when they talk about how they offered so many, so many goats and sheep for the people. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe those weren't done at this altar. Were they just killed there or uh, were they just slaughtered there and then the blood put there but, and not cooked there but cooked For Passover else? specifically? Yes, for Passover, yeah. That could be. I really don't know that, but that yeah. could be. It makes sense, what you say. You say there's a ramp up to this is that correct? Yep, this this right here. I would think it would have to be higher than that because it would be so difficult to put a bull. Yeah. Well, it, it yeah, it may very it well have been. Over. Yeah. This is 
Uh, I, I couldn't, to be quite honest about it, to me, that ramp was kind of important because it's, yeah. it's in Scripture. And I couldn't find any pictures that had ramps except this one. But, but wouldn't you think that the ramp would be clear up at the edge? So yeah, I, well, I would think it'd be higher than this. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know that you need to be much higher than that. Well, yeah, because you, a, a bull is a heavy Oh, animal, of course it is, yeah. So you'd have to have something you can just slide over into there, I would think. Well, I, th- I think, think they, they probably picked it, it up. Yeah, I do. I think they lifted it up. That's just Why couldn't it opinion. be quartered? Why does it have to be a hole? Uh, some do, some don't. You, you, yeah, I think you could quarter it, perhaps. You're asking me questions that I don't have a clue about. But yeah, that's, uh, well, just thinking of the manpower that's involved here, there would have to have been, uh, the priest had, um, didn't they have an age limit, like 50 years? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you had to have young, strong guys yep. doing this stuff. Yep. Oh, yeah, and, and all, as you pointed out, a yeah. lot of them. So it was pretty much like a... Like a uh, Meatpacking, yeah, yeah, slaughterhouse meatpacking type situation where you have yeah. all these carcasses moving around. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, not they, they probably <coughs> didn't have the rollers to slide them over. No, I don't they, think they had that. Yeah, but that was one of the things, John. You asked about what did the the temple look like as opposed to the tabernacle, and they had lots of different slaughtering stations along the side, so they could could kill the animals. In sequence, you know, pretty fast. But and the altar was huge. The altar was not this size; it was bigger. Well, yeah. I, and also, then they had this, this, you know, this water basin that was even bigger yet. You've got the whole tribe of Levi that's supporting these guys. I don't know exactly what roles there are, or what were meant for the priests and yeah. and those for the, to- the the Levites. But that's one twelfth of the oh, Israel yeah. is. There's a ton of, of people. Levites, yep. So. Question about the tabernacle table again. The table of showbread, you mean? Yes. Do you think that each tribe was expected (coughs) to make one of those loaves of bread? Well, the I should imagine that the bread itself would have been made by the Levites. But I should imagine also that each tribe had to have some sort of uh, participation, some sort of input. I don't know what it might be. Nick would be the grain. I mean, it. it but I, I don't think that they were totally without some involvement. I'll put it that way. I just think that uh, typically the stuff that went on in the temple, the temple service, was all the purview of the Levites. Now you could bring stuff to the door. You know, you could bring your offering to the door, to the gate, and then that's what you would do. And once you left it there, they'd take care of the rest. So, <clears throat> speaking of that, but where is it in Isaiah that the the tabernacle will be for all the nations? Is it or or this? Was Jerusalem in it? Is that what you mean or no? I don't know. I thought there was a verse about that. Well, there may be. I'm not familiar. I did not ring a bell. I'll put it that way. Okay. Well, <laughs> I would interpret that to mean that they just like the tribes can bring it to the temple, but they're not actually doing it. It's the priests that are ultimately doing it. Yeah. Or Okay. Well, there's just, this chapter's only got a few more. One more, let's do one more little portion, and then we can get uh, almost all of this out of the way. Well, that's not true. I have bad news for you. This is Moses up on the hill, and God telling him what to build. 
then we also have to go through the portion where they build it. And so they build it looks a lot like this is what you're to build. So we're not, we're not through looking at all this detail yet. But anyway, would somebody like to read from verse 9 down through verse 19 of this chapter 27? You going to pick on her again? Aren't you, is that unfairness? Okay. <laughs> you guys are great. <clears throat> now, 27, starting in verse 9 and going through verse 19. So it's just 10 verses. And thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle for the south side, southward. There shall be hangings for the court of fine twined linen on a hundred cubits long for one side. And the twenty pillars thereof and the twenty sockets shall be of brass. The hooks of the pillars and the fillets shall be of silver. And the likewise for the north side in length there shall be hangings of the hundred cubits long. And his twenty pillars and their twenty sockets of brass and the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the breadth of the court of the west side shall be hangings of fifty cubits, their pillars ten and their sockets ten. And the breadth of the court on the east side, eastward, shall be fifty cubits. The hangings of one side of the gate shall be fifteen cubits and the pillars three and the sockets three. And the other side shall be hangings 15 cubits, and their pillars three, and the sockets three. And the gate of the court shall be a hanging of 20 cubits of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen wrought with needlework. And their pillars shall be four, and their sockets four. And the pillars round the court shall be filled with silver. Their hooks shall be of silver, and their sockets of brass. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits, and the breadth fifty cubits, everywhere, and the high five cubits of the twined linen and their sockets of brass. One more? Nope. That's, well, that was 19, wasn't it? No. No, okay, do 19. And the vessels of the tabernacle and all of the service thereof and all the pins thereof and all the pins of the court shall be of brass. Okay, thanks, thanks. So I have a picture, I think. Would it, eh, no, nope, it pooped out on me again. So I don't know, do you have to, I don't know what's wrong, just press the arrow button, the right arrow button, see if it doesn't change. My computer's giving me heartburn. There we go. That's a better picture. Okay, thank you. Um, so I guess... First of all, this is that front curtain. Here's the, the um, what do they call that thing? The courtyard. And it's, it's got essentially this uh, seven and a half foot tall white fence, white cloth fence that's uh, 100 cubits this way and 50 cubits this way. And then this is the, the entrance. You'll notice that, that and this is east. This face is east. And this is this embroidered, uh, embroidered gate piece that they talked about, and this doesn't really show it, but the way this would work is it would be set out just a little bit so that, again, to get in, you would pass, you would walk, uh, just slide right in through here, and you'd go behind that piece, and you'd be inside. That's my opinion. 
maybe it's maybe it goes on the inside and you walk by it. But anyway, there's just a little way for you to walk in. But here you see all kinds of people out here running around messing with animals and stuff like that. Here's the um, the altar. The again, I'm disappointed. There's no ramp. But again, these are people's ideas of what it looked like. Um, we haven't talked about this piece of furniture yet. We will. But this is the tabernacle, more or less. And this is uh, what it might have looked like when, when God was home, if you will. We got a, a picture over here on the wall that's similar to, um, like I said, I, I wish I could tell you it was a photograph, but it's not. Anyway, John. So that's nighttime because they have the, the pillar of light that showing at night? I don't know. That's... Uh, it uh, it could be that that could be what it looked like in the daytime. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, look kind of like smoke too. So. The daytime would be a cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a well. The shadows you'll notice are all cast by that light. They're not what? No, they're set up. Yep, they're set up. Well, no, that's why I was thinking. I was thinking maybe it'd be the afternoon offering. Yeah, exactly, the afternoon offering. Well, you guys, you guys are good, I'll tell you. I'm, I'm ready to be done here if you've got any other comments. Um, this is, I always kind of dread this a little bit because I know it's a little tedious. You guys made it fun. There's, there's a lot of stuff to, to think about. Jerry, you said something about the Levites were the one doing the sacrificing, i.e. killing the animals. Mm -hmm. When we get into Leviticus, don't the Israelis, some of them kill their own animals? Oh. Didn't we say that? Well, certainly the, uh, they did them if they were killing them to eat. They sacrificed them? Well, you may be right. I don't recall. I, I honestly don't recall. So you you could be right, and I could be wrong about that. If they did, they did it under the supervision of the Levites. They didn't. They weren't like, but they may and they may have been there. Maybe they. I mean, certainly the idea of putting their hand on the head of the animal that makes sense. Whether or not they actually did the the slicing. I mean, the thing is, you'd want that done by somebody that knew what they were doing. I'm just saying. Right, but I think we dis when we discussed it, we said that it made it more personable to you yeah, versus yeah, just yep. bringing an animal. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think I'm probably off off on that one. Mm -hmm. Well, I would. <clears throat> I'm sure you know, that's only when they're doing uh, religious related sacrificial stuff. But when they're out, uh, you know, in the hinterlands and they want to have meat, there's nothing that says they can't do that. No, and they and they do, right. or and they did, yeah. So. Yeah. It, no, it wouldn't be a sacrifice. Well, as a matter of fact, know, God's very careful to, to make sure. It. Yeah, my okay, point is, I they see. know how to do it. I see. So it's not new to them. All right. Well, I tell you what, I would be, I'd be just fine with the putting my head, my hand on the head, and all that stuff. I'd have a hard time doing the thing. But of course, I wasn't raised on a farm. So, any other comments or thoughts? Thank you guys for uh, putting up with my hoarseness and. Let's, um, I'll say a prayer and we'll start next week. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the, the look at uh, this kind of detail. You know, your Torah is truly amazing that it has this detail in it. 
and the detail can be um, examined and explored and checked out and that it actually makes sense. Um, I just thank you, God, that it's there. I thank you that it's been there for all this time and that you've preserved it. And I uh, ask that you'd help us to just think about this as we go through the week. Keep us safe until we meet together on Shabbat next Tuesday. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thanks again. Thank you guys that tuned in on the internet. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you.